0: Welcome into the Aotearoa Rugby Pod on Sky Sport, brought to you by Rugby Pass. Jeff McTainch in the chair today, off the bench for Ross Carl. Another man off the bench too, as you can see in the screen there, Joey Wheeler. He's in for Bryn Hall, who is uh, he's fair enough. He's had a few celebratories after the Crusaders' 13th Super Rugby title and the former captain of the Blues. Over 100 games in Super Rugby for the Blues, James Parsons. Good to see you. I know you're a bit under the weather, mate, so thanks for showing up. Guys, let's get straight into the Super Rugby Pacific final chip. I'll start with you. Blues hot team all year, putting teams away. Uh, fantastic form. They come to a final against an outstanding Crusaders side. What was your take on that final?
2: Yeah, look, obviously a tough night for the Blues, especially up front. The Crusaders um, put on an absolute clinic, both sides of the ball, attack D, and D, And I suppose you, you mentioned how they'd performed all the way through the year. Off most of those wins are off the back of you know quality set piece ball, but also you know winning those game line. Um, carries getting across the advantage line, allowing time and space for guys like Bowden and Co. out the back to to make decisions. And on this occasion, one when we had the ball probably didn't um, secure it as well as they'd like. But also you just have to tip your hat to guys like Whitelock, um, Scott Barrett, um, Richie. Um, I thought David Havili was huge. Um, you know they're they're All Blacks. They're big big names. Really really stood up and and wanted to prove a point and sort of touched on it last week about the Crusaders loving to do things um, other teams haven't um, done before, even though I suppose they did in 98. But for this, this current group that's won six in a row, uh, they were motivated by that and, and they certainly uh, showed that on the night.
0: Yeah, Joey, I know that uh, the Crusaders looked at what Golden State had done in the NBA Finals against Boston to go and get it done on, uh, on an opposition floor. We talk about players, Joey, having a blinder. A- and to think how many test matches, how much Super Rugby Sam Whitelock has played he, it was a thing to behold wasn't it so let's talk about that and let's also talk about the fact that it was a big part of that Crusaders line out that just absolutely dominated the Blues, what did you see at Eden Park?
3: Yeah I think you're exactly right obviously Jip alluded to it the, the set piece was really disappointing from the Blues I think um, yeah they relied on that heavily this year and, and not only uh, did this did their line out well, suffer like when you're when you're operating under fifty percent, you're always going to struggle to win games. But I think the way that the Crusaders approached that, the, the the worrying thing from a Blues perspective is that they had no answer and they didn't they didn't adapt to that at all. And um, you know that's. In finals, you always come up against you know what if scenarios, and they just they didn't have um, a plan B, it looked like, and they really struggled to adapt to the pressure that the Crusaders were putting on. Um, Selection wise, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, going into that game. And with a guy like Tom Robinson, in all due respect to Tom, fantastic footballer, I think against the Crusaders, you, you need to pick specialist locks. And I think we saw the result of that on, on Saturday night, not only with their line out. but also their scrum came under a heap of pressure and that probably is due to a little bit of um not having the weight or size of of say a luke romano or or a tucker in that second row alongside josh goodhue and i think the experience of those two players um would have helped their line out as well tom robinson's been brilliant but against the crusaders side i think when they saw that tom robinson and Goodhue were named there they were going to come um, in one place and one place only and that's through the front door and target that type five of the Blues and they did that perfectly and they were just so, so dominant and so, so clinical and that was off the back of um, uh, set-piece pressure and dominance. Um, just a fantastic effort from, yeah, the, the side that just keeps getting better every year. It's it's quite unbelievable how how good this, this team really is.
0: We'll just stay on set-piece, Jip, uh, a bit longer. Joey mentioned selection. What did you see potentially as a way that the Blues could have done things differently once they realised, hey, it's not our night at line-out time and maybe at scrum time as well? Where perhaps would you have changed things had you been on the field leading that team?
2: It's not really what you'd change on the field on the night. I think Joey alluded to it. It's what you do in your preparation during the week. Um, Understanding that, hey, if we do come under pressure, this may be our go-to. We may look. We have seen the Blues even throw to the front prop a number of times this season and, and get it straight to the half. Um, you saw that they did try to use over the back, but, um, you know, by the third time, Cody Taylor had worked that out. So I don't think it's that they didn't have a look for other options. They just didn't execute them as well as they like. I think Roger knocked one on. Um, I think Bryce might have caught one, and then the other one was um, knocked on again because of the pressure Cody put on. So they, they did go looking for it, but, um, you know, it, it just didn't come off. And I do think they, the Crusaders put on such a good squeeze around um, the line-out. I think, you know, you talk about adaption in finals, Joe. I think the Crusaders acknowledged how well their forward pack was going. They just started kicking it out every chance they got. They didn't look for 50-22s or anything like that. They were just like, right, let's just go straight back into touch mm-hmm. and back our boys to get the ball back. And that just put more and more pressure, that those nerves as you get when your line-out's not functioning well. Yeah, you, you're almost running for the line-out going, God, I just want to get in and out of here. And that pressure just mounted and mounted
0: throughout the whole 80. Joey, there was an opinion I piece by Karen.
3: One thing on Karen the back of that, chip, and, and I think this is where they missed a trick. You're right, The using the front option, using a prop, using a standing option, um, they just didn't really show any different pitches. And I think in those greasy conditions, going over the back, there's still so much risk there. And you, you alluded to it, yeah. Cody Taylor was waiting for that. Um yeah, you've got to tip your hat to the Crusaders. What they did, they manipulated that defence so well. They stacked sort of middle back to force them to the front. Then they changed the pitcher on them late for uh, that that really th- through Goodhue and um, Robinson. So for me, I, I would have probably backed up a little bit, just made a really good clear pre-call and, and gone to your hooker balls, jib. Um, so um, hooker balls being a, th- a throw-jump option, so you, you pre call your option and you just rely on being quicker off the ground and having a really good um, jump and, and lift from your from your uh, lifters and and that was essentially what they what they didn't do they they gave the crusaders time to manipulate them so they were changing the picture on them and the blues thought the answer was, to go to slips, which which it wasn't, because they were just sitting in the space. So yeah, that, that, it, was a, it was a brilliant defensive um, line-out display from the Crusaders, but I think in terms of the learnings from the Blues, yeah, they, they do need a couple of those what-off scenarios, shortening up the line-out and, and just having a variety of options to make the Crusaders sort of change their defensive um, structures, which they just didn't do.
0: Guys, we'll touch on a few of the players who who stood out in that, uh, in that final, but j- just on the front row clash, That Blues front row, those props, were under immense pressure by the younger Crusaders front row. Ireland's coming, Andy Farrell's coming with that squad. Would he have been looking on, watching that final, going, "Okay, these two all-black props getting monstered here at times? What was your take on on that challenge?
2: Oh, mate, it's an eight-man job. Seriously, like, you've got to transition weight through the props. It's not necessarily just on the props. I think, you know, um, Joey sort of mentioned about the... Locking combination earlier, you know, you need to make sure your loosies and, and eights are all on and, and making sure that they're digging their toes in because you know that um, those props that you're talking about um, don't become bad scrummages overnight. And, and I certainly don't think um, you'd still take them lightly if you're the Irish.
0: Joey Cullen Grace uh, had had a very big game. When we look at his place in the in the, in the pecking order in, in, in all black rugby, um, he's putting his hand up again, isn't he?
3: Oh, without a doubt, um, Jeff. I think he has throughout the whole final series, and um, I, I think with the injury to—I uh, think we're going to touch on it later—but the injury to Lord, I, I believe that could open an opportunity for him, um, due to the fact that I, I think in terms of that loose forward balance, they probably were looking at to provide a, to cover um, that six row alongside Akira Iwane. Um but I believe in the last couple of weeks Colin Grace has been um, extraordinary uh for, for that crusader side. He offers something different to to via uh a in terms of his, his work rate. He's he's willing to go to probably um I don't wanna say a isn't, but um like he, he's a different player. He's not um he's not the ball carrying threat maybe that a Iwane is, but what he does is he smashes rucks, he smashes people in the tackle, and he's a brilliant line act, um exponent. I think we saw that in the weekend. Um, he, he just he just doesn't go away, and, and I think his stocks. Um, you, you look back two years when he first got named in this All Black side. Uh, he he's starting to find that form that, that catapulted him into that team in his in his rookie season, and um, he's a hard nosed, uh, no nonsense footballer. Um, who who does all the simple things really, really well with a, with a real hard edge. So I think he's got to come back into this conversation now um, in terms of maybe getting called up uh, mm. with the injury to Lord. I know they said that they probably have got sufficient cover, but I think Tubu Vai covers both uh, loose forward and lock, and I think that opens up an, an opportunity to either bring in a Frizzell or a, or a Cullen Grace into that squad because I, I think we're a little bit light in those really hard-nosed, High work rate, loose forwards um, to play in that in that six jersey. It's a good shout, Joey. I don't, um, yeah, you go, I, Joey. Don't,
2: I don't think I don't think we can forget about Luke Jacobson either, Joey. I think you know it does provide an no. opportunity for him. He's he's massive um, in the similar areas you've sort of just touched on. So I, I think you know maybe they're waiting to see um, the form of locks if they need extra, or they are making that decision. Should we bring in another Lucy and and be able to cover ourselves in that way? But there's definitely an opportunity up for grabs now that, that Lord's out for the season.
0: One for both of you. Um, Joey, when we look at the players on, on display in that final, effectively in some ways a trial for positions for that first test against Ireland. Let's talk about David Havili. Did he play his way into that All black starting midfield?
3: Yeah, I, I think so, mate. Um, he, he's the glue of that Crusaders back line and he has been for a long, long time. Uh, fantastic footballer, tough uh, tough as nails, and I, I think silenced a lot of critics. Um, obviously, in those conditions, what we're probably going to see in the three test series, you know, only the Dunedin test is going to be perfect conditions in mm. terms of um, playing in a, in a dry stadium with, with a roof on it, obviously. But I think the rest of the time, we're going to have potentially greasy, potentially wet conditions. And we saw how he handled that defensively was outstanding, but also. His decision making uh, around the field, his his kicking ability, and his skill execution under pressure is just phenomenal. The guy's got a magnificent skill set. Uh, his his handling of the ball, I like oh, that. That apart from the scrum mistake that the Crusaders made, I, I don't think I can't I couldn't recall another handling error. Um throughout that game or well, that there, there were very few of them and those conditions were atrocious mm. like they were really really challenging um in some parts and he he led a lot of that and i think his game management alongside Richie Mwanga uh, was just uh, fantastic. So, yeah, for me, I think they've got to give him the nod in that 12 jersey for the, for, the, um, for this Test Series. I think he's earned it through his form. He's just got better and better throughout Super Rugby, Jeff. And um, I don't know about you, Jip, but I think that, that assured performance on Saturday night and tactically how he performed, that's exactly what we need going into this Irish Series.
2: Yeah, I mean, his line speed and the pressure he put the Blues attack under, they weren't getting front football. And then the, their exponents that we're so used to seeing throughout the year just didn't have time on it. And even when there was once when Rico got the outside and and Davey ma- managed to, you know, just grab his jersey and get him to deck. And it's that yeah. sort of desperation, you know, that just set him above on the night. Like, um, yeah, he's come under some heat um, over the season, but man, big players step up in big games and. I don't think you could do any worse than, you know, seeing David Havili in that 12 jersey.
0: Bowden Barrett's been outstanding all year. Hard to play footy when your team's going backwards, guys. Joey, has it changed the perhaps the stance of, of Ian Foster as to what he might do for that first test with Richie or Oh,
3: uh, No, I, I don't think so, Geoff. Like, this is such a tough one, right? Like, for me, in, in my humble opinion, which is very humble, um... Bone and Barrett would be the one that I'd go with. Uh, but, but like, gee, for me, Foster just needs to, Ian Foster just needs to pick one and back that horse, and back that horse right through to the World Cup and say to that guy, look, you're my man. You're my man that's going to run this team. Unless you're injured, if you're fit and available, you start, you're starting at 10. And I think that's maybe been our issue over the last few years is, These guys are are looking for who's actually the guy. And we're obviously blessed with two world-class 10s. And I don't really care who gets the jersey. Mm. As long as whoever it is, that's our number one guy. And he's going to be playing the majority of minutes in that 10 jersey and starting and driving this team uh, towards the World Cup. Not chopping and changing game by game. uh, Because I think if that guy... If they get that trust and they have the ability to drive the team, then I think we're going to see better results. So I don't know about you, Jip, but I'd just like them to see see them back the horse, whoever it is, Richie or Bowden, um, and, and stick with them right through to the, to the World Cup.
2: I, I think that's going to be key for every position a little bit. You know, like it, it's get, building those combination, you know, once you, they've made their mind up, making sure the people inside and outside of them are comfortable, they're not foreign and they've got time together. I think it's 18 tests or something until um, the World Cup. So there, there is um, time for them to build that. But I agree, you don't want to be chopping and changing, having players second guess themselves, um, wondering if they're in or they're out. Um, you know, I think Richie made a massive statement. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think, you know, Bodie could have done much more than he did in the sense that he wasn't provided a lot of ball. So you can't really judge him on that.
0: We'll close the book, guys, on on this final. But just uh just lastly, before we get into the rest of the uh, the podcast, uh, where, where does this particular Crusaders side do you think Joey rate uh, amongst Razor's titles in, in the the crop he's worked with this year? Uh yeah,
3: they're yeah, pretty good, mate. Like, I, I think it's staggering. Like, I, I before we came on this, I looked at the team, and I think there were eleven. 11 of that side that were there in, in 2017 so that's a, a remarkable effort to, to have that many guys still involved in this team um, you know that many years later you know six titles for those blokes and, and that, that's a, a huge core of your side and a huge amount of experience that's there year after year to, to drive this team to just keep getting better but it just staggers me, um, the ability of this team to every year set, set the set that, um, I suppose the example for the rest to be, to be chasing and the, you know, teams can, you know, you potentially maybe after two or three wins on the bounce can probably get a little bit complacent, but this team shows no signs of that. Um, it, it's staggering how, how good they were in the weekend. And I think probably the most clinical and dominant performance that I've seen from them, um, and all those years, so yeah, I think that side would be right up there as as one of the best that they've produced in the in the six years that Razor's been in charge.
0: What do the Blues take out of this, Jipper? Uh, as as we've discussed, they haven't really put a foot wrong all year, and just came up against a, a champion side. What has Leon McDonald and and the coaching staff taken to two, two, three?
2: Oh, look, I think there's, they need to take. I think they're a much improved. Outfit this year, they've they've shown um, a hell of a lot of success over long periods. You know, in the past, you know, having that pressure of expectation of winning hasn't always run well with the Blues. And um, this year, they went on a fifteen-game um, winning streak. They never took their eye off the prize. Um, and you know, the the big thing they'll take out of it is that finals week preparation and and how they get it right and. And making sure that they can deliver on the on the one night that counts, you know. And and I think Joey alluded to it the the amazing ability of the Crusaders. It's almost you bet against them at your peril because it almost I don't know motivates them even more to do something even more um, impressive yeah. the, the following years. I I think I still think their twenty seventeen team um, for the Crusaders is is probably that win away in Johannesburg. Um, in a longer, you know, sort of tournament against different oppositions, that, that'll that go down as probably one of the most impressive um, Super Rugby um, championships there that, that was. But I, I think this season's team definitely is is not a distant second, that's for sure. Um, but as you sort of mentioned, there's plenty for the Blues to learn from, and, and I don't think it stops here. And that's the one thing the Blues have shown this year. Um, you know, when the chips are down, they're, they're not looking to run and hide. They'll own it. Um, they'll,
0: they'll make sure they find the solutions and move forward. Joey, has Razor's breakdancing gotten better progressively each year since 2017?
3: No, I think it's got worse. I think it's got worse. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have slipped over in 2017. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you got to love that about the guy. Uh, you can see why he endears himself mm. not only to his team but um, to, to, I guess, the fans of, of that Crusader side. He, um, his enthusiasm for that side is just so infectious and... I mean, yeah, break dancing. Yeah, he probably can. Um, he can probably bend that now. I reckon because, yeah, I don't want him to slip over again. I, th- I think he's getting a little bit. He needs to limber up a little bit more.
0: Look after the rug. Yeah, hey, he, you know, I think we can all agree, did. Scott Robertson, coach of the year in Super Rugby. But uh, Joe and, and and Joey one each uh, on these the Super Rugby season end of season.
1: Let's get this dinner
0: party started. Awards, will go firstly. You, uh, Chipper, have you got a, a player of the year in mind?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, there are a number of candidates, obviously, and, and guys that have promoted themselves to the All Blacks, but I think one guy stood out throughout, um, and he made big impacts on games, and he did the other night as well, and I thought it was Will Jordan. I thought he was fantastic mm-hmm. throughout the whole comp. Um, you know, massive meters. He led every step there was under the sun. And then, um, you know, even the other night, unselfishly, rather than running, he was kicking the ball through to kick it out because he knew they had a tactical advantage at line-out. I just think he, he was the complete package.
0: What about yourself, Joey?
3: Yeah, you read my notes, Jip. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tasman, uh, Will Jordan, yeah, he just when you look at the stats, he's just a mile ahead of everyone um, and a brilliant footballer. Like um, Whenever he touches the ball, you just don't know what he's going to do. And I think for this competition, he's just an excitement machine, and um, the tries and the anticipation that he shows in the game—it's—I it, um, hate—I hate you know you know when you always sort of compare them to players, but it is mm. Christian Cullen like um, the guy is an absolute freak, and when he turns on those afterburners, it, it's um, special to watch. So yeah, Will Jordan for me.
0: We saw a couple of teams new to Super Rugby, the, uh, the Drua and obviously Moana Pacifica. So guys who hadn't had Super Rugby experience came in and played, played outstandingly well. Have you guys got a Rookie of the Year?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had Josh Morby for a, for a lot of it. I thought he was outstanding for the Hurricanes, but in the end, I actually chose Aiden Morgan. I felt he really stood up and, and ran ran the cutter really well at the Canes. Um, and, and I just think he's got a massive bright future. He seems like he's got a level head on his shoulders um and and i'm excited to see how he progresses into his second year
0: joey morby was good wasn't he like to come out of uh of southland uh good season with the stags and and i think when we saw that super rugby squad name we go okay josh morby a fair, fair play to him uh, let's see how he goes but mate he took the, the ball by the horns didn't he
3: yeah he exceeded expectations right and ended up um owning that 15 jersey and and forcing uh geordie to play it play at 12 which I mean, that's no mean feat, right? So, yeah, hats off to Josh. You know, he, he was down here at Southland, always a really solid footballer. Um, I'm sure the Stags are kicking themselves because he's uh, he's heading up to Northland uh, this season for the NPC. So a big loss for the Stags. But, yeah, fantastic footballer who just got better and better as the season went on. But for me, my Rookie of the Year um, was out of Moana Pacifica, Tava yeah. Um That guy was absolutely freakish this year. I think he was only available uh, for just over half the season and still managed to beat the most defenders in the competition. Every time that guy touched the ball, he shrug (laughs) off at least um, an absolute excitement machine. and. Um, also, before their last game, um, Moana Pacifica bringing over his mum from Fiji for the first time, mm. and that they'd seen each other in two years. Um, beautiful story that Sky put together. Um, but yeah, just oh, he was an excitement machine, just awesome to watch, and was a massive part of um, that Moana Pacifica side.
2: Uh, John, and of course, he's a, Tasman, he's a Tasman Marco as well, there, Joey. Just another Tasman boy.
3: Aussie. Oh, yeah, is <laughs> he?
0: Aiden yeah. Morgan wasn't a Kingsbury, yeah. was no. he either, Jip? Hey, uh, just lastly, we'll, we'll, we'll round out these ones. Um, most improved team. I think we can all agree it was great to see the Australian teams show up. Brumby's fantastic year. So, so close at Eden Park uh, in that semi. Jip, for you, firstly, most improved team in Super Rugby?
2: Oh, I think it has to be the Blues. Um, like, the the way they perform this season... Um, Getting, getting their wins in a row, you know. It's just, uh, uh, there is good improvement there. Everyone mocked them about the Trans-Tasman title, but they managed to get themselves a home
3: final. Fell at the last hurdle, but there's still that, a great Jeff.
0: improvement. Fair play. What they about were you, champions. Joey?
3: They were champions last year, mate. They can't be most improved. Jeez. They can, mate, because
2: everyone just tried to say that was half a title.
3: <laughs> Title's a title. Uh, for, me, for me, though, I'm going to go uh, the New South Wales Waratahs. I think from a side that couldn't win a game um, the previous year to them being uh, quarterfinalists, they were they were fantastic and a real um, a real shift in, in culture and what they're doing. So, yeah, they are going to be looking pretty good um, for the mm-hmm. coming coming seasons uh, if uh, Australian rugby stick with the competition.
0: Yeah, fair play. Let's move to that. They couldn't win a game last year, could they? Certainly improved. Chat, you know, just after the Super Rugby final, I couldn't believe it when I uh, read the paper and, and saw that um, there's a, a yarn that perhaps they could be breaking away and doing their own thing. Should we be worried? What impact would it have on the Wallabies and what impact would it have on New Zealand rugby?
2: Well, I suppose all I can talk about is, is my experiences and all the conversations I've had um, so far has been really positive about where Super Rugby Pacific can get to um, you know, next year and into the future. But, you know, understanding that if they've changed their mind around that, uh, the ARU um, must know their, I suppose, landscape really well. And they, and they must genuinely believe that that could be a potential better opportunity for them and the Wallabies rugby. And you, you, that's their prerogative, isn't it? You can't question them on that. And, and I'm not going to question it here because I don't know the landscape of their game um, as well as they, they will. But I do think um, the benefits go both ways. Um, definitely in terms of where um, both international squads can get to and um, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be and I think with every, you know, sometimes situation like this, you know, good can come from it as well so um, you know, watch that space I suppose.
0: Joey, perhaps it looks like a bit of a flex from Rugby Australia because I know they get a smaller portion of the pie than New Zealand rugby when it comes to broadcast revenue so maybe is it just a wee bit of a, a bluff at the poker table?
3: Yeah, totally mate and he's shooting from the hip like for me, just reeks of desperation. Um, look, we need them as much as they need us. Mm. And if they want the Wallabies to be successful, he's kidding himself if he thinks that playing a, an all-Australian competition is the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but they struggle to, to fill their squads um, with, with uh, quality of their five teams. And if you, I suppose if you count the draw, there's six. Um, with with quality across the board they still have to rely on new zealand talent to fill a lot of those spots as well so yeah i think um oh, it's just it's laughable for me he, he's obviously threatening that he needs they need they need money um there's no two ways about it their broadcast deal is is um pales in significant uh insignificance to the nzr deal with with sky television so yeah he's just wanting a piece of the pie to, to keep their game going but oh, I'd be really careful um they're they're struggling to keep their talent as it is and you know if they were to exit super rugby i I think there'd be even more of their talent that would be looking offshore um if not to new zealand super franchises to uh japan and europe Mm. like they have been the last few years so yeah it's um it's a dangerous line is walking there and and I, i hope it's not because i think like jip said the this competition this year had real integrity and, and everyone was um a lot of the games were really really competitive and and the australian teams are um are developing nicely so i'd be interested to hear dave rennie's take on that um uh, rather than um rather than a fish head in the mm. boardroom um actually what what dave Rennie thinks uh his super rugby teams need to do where they need to be to to develop um the best wallaby side they can couldn't
0: agree more, Joey. Uh, massive series against England coming up uh, against the Wallabies. Looking forward to that. And another one, of course, we're all looking forward to, can't wait for it to get started, is the Island Tour of New Zealand. Chip, they've named the side, and when we look at it, there's, there's a hell of a lot of experience in there, in uh, Andy Farrell's side and some new caps as well. They've been at the pointy end of all the competitions in England and Europe, uh, some of these guys. Uh, what, have you, what have you made of the, the 40-man squad he's put together?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think it's obviously there's the guys that pick themselves, the, the main front line guys, but there is a number of young players that he's obviously wanting to test out, see how they tour. Um, you know, a big part of touring is that bonding side and and seeing how they work and operate um, as a team. And and he's come out and said that, you know, they haven't had the ability to tour as much through the COVID period. Um, so they're really looking forward to this, this New Zealand um, tour. And I, I suppose the only sort of key area that, um, you know they may be missing with with um, Ronan Kalaha out at hooker. You know he was a real live wire for them um, last season. So so I suppose um, Sheehan and, and Hearing have got um, a great opportunity to have some minutes under their belt and and, and obviously push their case um, for for four more minutes once he's back. But outside of that, it's a pretty pretty complete squad and and I, I think it sets them up for even some doozies against the Maori and those midweek tests as well.
0: What do you make of it, Joey? I and mean, if you look at that forward pack, there's again so much experience in there and and a freak like James Ryan, who has just he seems to be getting better and better at the more he plays the, the game. That they really have an edge in that forward pack, don't they, that uh, that they could run out.
3: Yeah, and I think that, that adds to the excitement of this series, um, Jeff, is is, is exactly that. They'll probably had um the All Blacks number in in terms of the Ford um their forward dominance over the last few years, and that's where uh, those tests that they've they've had the edge over the All Blacks. That's where they've been won. They've beaten up the All Blacks. Um, so, I'm sure that that's that's their aim to to copy and paste the performances that they've had at home and and offshore, and do that in New Zealand conditions, um, and and down here um, in New Zealand where it's so so hard for um, international teams to come and win. Um, I'm sure they're going to, to bring all of that um, might and, and physicality that we're so used to seeing from this Irish side. So, yeah, it's going to be really, really tasty and, and a massive opportunity for this, for this All Black side to stamp their mark as um, the world leaders again. And I, I'm, just, I'm really looking forward to this series, especially with those midweek tests um, against the Māori All Blacks. That's going, to be, that's going to be awesome as well for those guys to, to go and get up against some uh, world-class opposition in, in our own backyard.
0: The late 1800s, Jipper. The, uh, the side formerly known as the New Zealand Natives, played their first international against Ireland in Dublin. They won it uh, at Lansdowne Road. They've won twice since then in the 100-odd years since. How much of a chance do you give this Māori all-black side, based on the squad you've seen in that first game uh, in, uh, in Hamilton uh, in a week or so's time?
2: Oh, you give them a chance, definitely. Um, you know, you talk about... Um, passion and pride for a jersey and, and you know what they represent um those players are hungry and eager one to to represent that jersey with pride but also a couple of them will be wanting to put their hands up to the all-black selectors for for having missed out on that squad as well so there's enough experience but there's also enough youth in there you know the sullivan brothers have um, had good years you got morby in there um tk howden um, from the Hurricanes. so there is there is a enough in there to get a spring in their step, a sense of freshness, with that older hand to sort of direct them around the field. So um, I I think it's it's going to be just as tough for them in those midweek fixtures and how they use their squad making sure that they get it right so they can get the results on the Saturday as well.
0: A couple of guys, Joey, too, in that Māori All Black squad that, that uh, were very close to going to the All Blacks. So in some ways, and guys that have played plenty of test matches too, that will be able to go, OK, well, look, this is, this is how we can still play and, and, and maybe uh, put on a performance and, and show, show everyone what they can do.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited to see. Obviously, the halfbacks um, for the, for the Māori All Blacks, Brad Weber and TJ be will um, be really disappointed to have missed out yeah. on 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 the All Blacks. So I'm expecting them to to lead and and to play really well um, in these midweek tests. It's just it's awesome for the for for the Māori All Blacks side to have be playing a. Uh, really meaningful games in, in New Zealand. Um, they don't get to do that often. They don't get to um, have test matches at home that often. So this is going to be massive. One guy that I'm really looking forward to and hoping that he's going to stamp his mark on, on this test series for the Māori All Blacks is Tyrell Lomax. Probably gone um, a little bit under the radar and missing out on that All black side. But for me, he's a he's a young tight-head prop who's... Um, a massive future in our game here and i think against this irish side their dominance and that type five and how good they are mm. it's going to be a real test for him and a real chance for him to stamp his mark and i know you're going to say it Jip he is a Tasman lad as well <laughs> so would you like to. i thought you were going to like, say
2: when you said when you said i've got one player to watch i was like well it's lomax or nankerville yes i, I thought it was
0: nankerville too, too. <laughs> I've just got a feeling, I don't know about you guys, we've got a feeling... we well, didn't
3: want to take out too much time, you know? No, yeah, we can't. Is. We
0: can wax lyrical about Alex Nanky, But What a season. And you just hope that... Um, yeah, you think something special could happen in that game against the Irish. And let's talk uh, Pacific Nations Cup, guys. That Australia A side, that is crazy good. Like, eight former Wallabies. Uh, and then you look at some guys that have put their hand up this year. And the Wanganita Wasi from the Waratahs. Just... It just reeks of talent. Uh, do we just say they win the Pacific Nations Cup based on what I see here?
2: No way. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think oh God,
3: I those yeah, it's it,
2: it going to be a doozy of a competition. Um, you, you look at, um, you know, we've got Seta Valu coming back for Fiji and they've built such a strong, passionate um, brand of footy that they really love representing and we've sort of see flow through to the Ndrua. You know, we've, we've seen about the, the additions that the Samoan squad and the Tongan squad has got. Um, it's definitely not um, a dead set, right? No. I, I was actually trying to think who the favourite is. Like, I was struggling to pick one. If anything, um, the one thing that the Aussies will have and the Fijians is they've got a little bit more um, knowledge of each other. They've played together mm. a little bit longer, so that may um, work in their favour. But, man, you look at the lineups of Samoa and, and especially Tonga, um, if that forward pack can provide that front football um, for some of those some
0: of those live wires out wide for Tonga, yeah, um, they'll be a real threat as well. Joey, let's look at Tonga for a second. Up front, Taukolo Matangi. Uh, you've got Sam Molly at hooker. You've got Siari Tokolahi guys that have played plenty of Super Rugby. Uh, Poloniati in the locking departments had a good season. You look in the in the loose trio: Funaki, Tuipolotu, uh, Augustine Pulu at halfback. You look at the first five: it's William Havili. And then outside backs, Solomon Kata, Charles Pieter, handy. Uh, Tima of Nuku, a guy called Israel Folau, and Anzalo Tuitavuki. Actually, I take back what I said at the start of the pack, Nation Stat jippy, you're right. <laughs> Who do you pick? That's a crazy good Tonga side, Joey.
3: Well, oh, and, and, and um, Sione Harvilli, had him into the mix from the Crusaders, he's made himself available now for Tonga as well. Mm. Um, so I'd imagine he'll be playing in the seven jersey for them, mate. Oh, look, they are stacked with talent, all these teams, and it is going to be, oh, it's going to be a great series. Like, you, you mentioned that Tongan side. I'll tell you one place where I wouldn't be running, and that is in down the midfield champs. <laughs> the Chiefs, Solomonu Kata, and Malakai Fekitoa, you are running into bolder shoulders, all of them. And that, yeah. that is like a worst nightmare for any football player running into any of those blokes. I would absolutely hate that. But yeah, excitement machines across all of the all of the teams. I think I look at the Samoan side, the continuity that they've got, that guys have been playing together for um, throughout the season the Fijian side with all those players from the Drua mm. I think are just going to be so competitive across the board you mentioned the eight players for the Wallaby uh, that are uh, ex-Wallabies that are in the Australian A side yeah it's going to be a, a doozy of a series and, and I think there's going to be some big hits and some highlight reels plenty of highlight reels from that series
0: <laughs> Jip uh, just lastly guys some mail last week uh, coming in on, on, on Damien McKenzie re-inking uh, the bit of paper with NZR till the end of next year I know he's been, he's been over in Japan, didn't quite uh, finish the job in the in the Japanese final with Suntory, but how big a deal is that, J- uh, Damien re-signing JIP for, for New Zealand Rugby?
2: I, I think it's massive in the sense, I mean, even if we just use the, the final the other night, um, you can't buy experience. And having that experience under your belt, having been there before and done it, um, provides a group um, with so much opportunity and also provides a lot of security in terms of, um, you know, depth um, and competition within the squad to bring the best out of um, everyone else, and and it's also you know like he's stepped away, and a guy like Stephen Pettifer has come in and um, put his hand up. So that competition now um, for spots in that World World Cup mm. um, is alive and well, and that can only set us up for the better.
0: What do you reckon, Joey?
3: Oh, I'm pumped for Damo to be back. Obviously, Stephen Peterfeta put his hand up this year as the guy that uh, can cover the 10 and 15 jersey. But yeah, like experience is, is king when it comes to um, that guy that can provide the, uh, if he's coming off the bench or being the third 10 option or the or the 15. But I think it's his goal-kicking ability that sets him apart. He's... He's world-class goal kicker, and and obviously what he what he does um, on the counter attack as well. He's an excitement machine. So, yeah, massive, um, massive signature for for uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union. Obviously, I, I think I would have liked to keep him a little bit longer than one year, but um, he's obviously keeping his options open there.
0: Yeah, can't wait. James Parsons, mate, Jip, you go and rest up. Uh, what, what's what's your preferred brand of herbal tea at the moment? What's what's working for you to get this COVID in check?
2: Mate, I'm not even going to lie, I can't take anything down the throat. It's that sore. So it's, it's, it's literally just cold water just to get some pills down. Well, that,
0: at the moment. that is a champion effort.
3: Bryn Hall would probably recommend a Spate Summit Ultra, would <laughs> say, at the um, That
2: <laughs> right oh, Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try that out. I'll try that out when I get some courage.
0: Hey, guys, as always, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Joey Wheeler, James Parsons, rest up, Jip, and Joey, we'll see you on again on the tools soon. Thanks very much. That is Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another week here on uh, Sky Sport, brought to you by Rugby Pass. We'll catch you next time.
1: Hold up. What was that?